Okay, welcome everyone to the Play to the Whistle podcast. You're here today with Kieran and a, a special guest that we've got to come on the show to talk about a, a few different topics than usual. Just before I introduce him, um, you can obviously follow us on the usual platforms, so Twitter, um, which is at PTTW Podcast, and the same uh, on Instagram. And of course, we also put um, content on YouTube under the same name. But enough of that. I'm going to introduce our guest today. Um, I think I always am excited to have guests, but I just like talking football with with people. So um, this particular guest, um, well known in the um, sort, of, sort of journalism and, and writing side and, and obviously podcasting. Um, so writes for um, Breaking the Lines, These Footy Times, um, and of course, author of Wings of Change, which is the story about how Leipzig got its wings and how it became Red Bull. Um, so I'm delighted to welcome onto the show um, Karen Tejwani. Welcome, Karen. Hi, Owen. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great to have you on. Um, I think like I was saying, it's, uh, it's been a, a busy day, but always good to take a, a moment out and talk football. Uh, I think it's, it's always good to talk football regardless. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, obviously we've got you on the show today. There's there's a number of topics I want to cover with you. Uh, I'm sure probably not going to get time to cover all of them, so we might have to have a part two if you if you're up for it. But obviously, um, the, the place I've got to start is the book because I know it's been really popular. I've um, not managed to to read it. I've read a preview of it, but not managed to read it myself. But yeah, this is obviously Wings of Change. Um, hot reviews it's all over and it's a really um really fantastic insight into um the kind of red bull model and, and leipzig and not just leipzig but the other um you know uh, clubs under red bull and i wondered if you can tell us a little bit for the for the listeners a little bit about how this idea came up what inspired you um yeah how was like writing it yeah wings of change was the the work of several months um it, the idea first came to me in November 2019. Uh, the idea to write the book was was in November 2019 when uh, I watched a very good RB Leipzig team beat uh, Mainz 8-0. And it was that sort of relentless, relentlessness of the team that sort of captured my attention. You know, when they were leading 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, you watch most teams, they will sort of sit back and slow down and, you know, take the second half slowly. But these guys... They just went on and on and on, scoring goal after goal after goal. Ended up scoring eight goals, and um, that that sort of captured my attention. You know, it was how a team this good and a team this young and a team this diverse also uh, was was so despised in Germany. And I wanted to explore more about that. I knew they had the story. Obviously, we knew Leipzig's rise was controversial. We knew Red Bull Salzburg mm-hmm. were controversial in Austria, um, but I wanted to explore what made them. Firstly, what made them so good, and secondly, what made them so unpopular in most parts of the mm-hmm. world. Obviously, they have a lot more fans now, but um, uh, at the time, in two, two years ago, which is a fairly short time ago, um, they weren't very popular in Germany or in European mm-hmm. football. So I wanted to explore both sides of things, and I wanted to explore uh, why they do what they do. So that's playing with younger players, playing the football that they play, and the people yeah. behind it. So I wanted to get the entire story in one book, and that, that was the idea for Wings of Change. Yeah, I mean, that... It seemed like you got the idea and then just started running with it quite quickly. Is it have you have you written like books before? Is this is this the is this the first time you sort of sat down and, and sort of formally wrote something? Yeah, this was the first book I'd ever written. Uh, I was wanted to write a book because I'd been 
at the time I'd written online or, or written for online publications for about four, three, almost four years at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt it was the right thing to do to, you know, sort of take that knowledge and take my time and write a book. So um, I had the time for it. I was I was a university student my first year and, you know, I felt I could accommodate both, uh, both yeah, yeah. parts of my life. And um, I, I got quite lucky with the pandemic. Um, and I'm, I'm yeah, obviously, I don't, yeah. want to sound, I don't want to sound rude about it. Um, I wasn't yeah. a very fortunate position. You know, I wasn't too badly affected, which was good fortune for me. Very privileged mm. position to be in. And um, mm. it was, it, the timing was almost right because everything closed down. Football was cancelled. You know, every weekend I used to spend about four, four to six hours watching football, but that was no yeah, longer yeah. there. So I had four to six hours to spare. Mm. Plus university, I got university and university was shut down. And it was mostly online classes. So I had more time. So I got kind of lucky with that yeah. as well. So it was a combination of a lot of, uh, right or, or things happening at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is, I think this is how this podcast was born. It was just having a bit of extra time, having to travel, and 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 obviously same with the the, the other um, co-hosts that that, that that do this as well. Um, but it's incredible. I mean, were you expecting? Because it, it's had relative success. Um, you know, it's, I've seen already loads of reviews. It's been. I think you, you spoke on Talksport about it as well. Um, did you expect it to to have this kind of level of um, attention? Uh, to be honest, I didn't really know what to expect because, as I said, it's the first time I did the book. I mean, I knew a few authors uh, who had worked with the same publishers as me, and mm. um, they had similar sort of um, publicity going around for them. Um, but I didn't expect it to be this big. Um, you know, lots of people have been buying it. Lots of People have been tweeting about it, talking, yeah. giving it positive reviews. I don't mind reviews if they're positive or negative. If it's, if it's yeah. constructive, it's good enough for me. So, um, you know, there's lots to learn. Obviously, some people said I was disappointed with this part. I was disappointed with that part. So, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. the next time, next time we do a book, that's something to work on. <laughs> but sure. um, yeah. it, it was there. It's good to hear that so many people were, were very passionate about the subject. I was very surprised by so many people being so uh, passionate about it and so many people taking so much interest in it. Uh, you know, I spoke to a couple yeah. of people from a few Celtic fans a couple of days ago and they were telling me how they enjoyed the book because Jesse Marsh was linked to the Celtic job mm-hmm. and I thought okay I, I didn't expect Celtic to be a, such a strong <laughs> niche and um, but even it, it's good to hear all that it's good to hear people messaging you and saying I enjoyed the book because it is a lot of work going into it. I spent about oh, yeah. seven odd months uh, or nine odd months in the whole thing from the from the research to the writing and the eventual publication so yeah, it's good yeah. to see that sort of thing being rewarded. And even on Christmas Day, I saw a lot of people giving it around as Christmas gifts, which was a bit humbling mm-hmm. in a way. So it, it was, it's always yeah. nice to see that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I can I can imagine I can because I, I think I saw a few tweets. There was there was that one, and there was a, there was another book, but particularly that one. Um, I think I'd seen people saying, "Oh yeah, just woken up to to unwrap this," and and yeah. it was quite. And, and also, you, I think you were retweeting it. it. Was really, I think it was really nice to see. And yeah, yeah the process, the the amount of energy that goes into a book, and particularly the the, the research. I find like maybe the writing it up and getting a first draft, it can be tedious. But then the editing afterwards and make sure everything fits together. And and you know, it's not it's not an easy job. Along and that not being the primary thing that you know that you're working on. So. Um, you know, you've got uh, got a lot of admiration and, and respect for that. Um, in terms of the, the book itself, because obviously it co- covers quite a lot of um, sort of different different areas. For you, I don't know what was the part that maybe you enjoyed researching the most, or the, the bit that maybe surprised you the most, or, or something that was quite interesting. What what 
what was that for you? I spoke to a lot of people uh, as part of my research, as part of interviews in the book. And mm. the most interesting one was Ernst Tanner, who was the former academy director at Red Bull Salzburg. Mm. So those interviews were really fun when I spoke to the professionals who had been there. I spoke to a lot of players as well, people like Shaba Schlager, who now plays at Wolfsburg, and um, Bradley Wright Phillips, who now plays at New York Red Bull. So those mm. sort of people provide a lot of insight. But Ernst Tanner was probably the most interesting one because he was so closely linked with uh, what Salzburg were doing. And he was there when Salzburg became the best youth team in Europe. He was there when uh, Marco Rosa was appointed Red Bull Salzburg. He was there when sort of they had the youthful revolution. So uh, it, the, the plan was for him, for me to just interview him and get a few quotes out of him. But he was so passionate about the topic himself that he spoke about it. We had an interview for about half an hour when the actual interview was planned for about 10 minutes. So he spoke mm. for that much time and it gave me that much more to talk about. And I didn't plan to have a separate chapter specifically for him, but when we spoke, he gave me so much insight that I had to make a separate chapter to include his words in the book. And he had a lot of words, so it, it was very good to talk to him. And he was a very fun person to talk to, him, very engaging as well. So, and, and obviously, I mentioned, and Ralph Rannick is one of the most important characters in the book. You know, he's, he was probably the biggest reason Red Bull are so successful in football. So. He closely worked mm -hmm. with Ralph Rannick as well, and he provided a lot of insight about that. And it was very good to, uh, to hear from him. And that, that was probably the most enjoyable thing in the book. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I've just realised I was calling him Leipzig and Salzburg, of course, because um, even though Red Bull are connected, um, the book is obviously primarily um, focusing on, on Salzburg's apologies um, for that. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's something I, I'm, I'm looking for. It's on, it's on my list. I've had my, my one uh, football book um, for this beginning of the year. That was Michael Carrick's autobiography. So I think this one's going to be my next football one, um, probably in, in the summer that I'll pick up and, and kind of work through. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it just sounds like not not just the process of writing a book, but the experience of all the sort of research and all the things you're learning, speaking to obviously a few um, sort of household names as well. Um, must Yeah, must have been amazing. Um, in t I'm just thinking a little bit about the um, the kind of articles that you that you've done because I think we we're talking before and I said I, I've really enjoyed the uh, these footy times and some of the the older the older kind of articles so in particular I think um, you did one on um, one of my favourite international teams uh, of all time which is um, which is the Netherlands team um, so you know I really enjoyed that yeah. one and there's a, a couple of United ones in there as well and. Um, I suppose, I suppose I know we, we talked about having to try and do some some more of the current stuff uh, now. But what what kind of what what kind of areas kind of intrigue you the most in terms of I don't know if it's like all leagues, if there's a particular league. So I know there's quite a few ones on the German league on 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 your kind of website. What 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 do you tend to enjoy writing about more than anything? Well, nowadays it's it's more German based because you know for the last. Two and, a, two and a bit years I've been focusing specifically on German football with the book and all mm. that so now it's it's more of a German thing um, and that's the football I watch as well I mostly watch German and English football so uh, obviously because I keep my attention on those two things mm. it's it's mainly those two so I try to keep myself around that and I, I tried immersing myself in German culture trying to learn the language and all that so my entire attention was there but I'd, I'd say before that I, I was more mixed i didn't really have a specific niche to focus on i enjoyed writing for the sake of writing because that was that was my th that was my thing it was my 
I, I've been doing it since I was 16. Um, I'm 21 now and I was, I was mm. 16 when I started off and that's the sort of thing I've been focusing on for, for a very long time. So I didn't really focus on a, a specific country or a specific niche because I was mm. more enjoying the overall thing. I would say I've been very intrigued by Spanish football. I've always enjoyed them and mm. I grew up watching a very good Barcelona team when they had Guardiola and yeah, all that. So okay. I was very intrigued by what Barcelona do and what Lionel Messi does. So they are sort of a, a side passion, I would say. But it, it is mainly German and English football. I like going through the historical things of German football. If, if you read some of my stuff, I mainly talk about the coaching side of things, how coaching changed in German football uh, from the 1990s to mm. right now and how they play in this more modern way and, and the technology that goes behind it. So that that is my main niche at the moment. It's German football and the making of German coaching. Yeah, yeah, because I know, I think I've mentioned to you there, there were a couple of questions I want to ask because, um, like, you know, I'm from, from London. There's been quite a few sort of um, exports from London to, to Germany, um, some yeah. some doing a bit well, some 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 not as well. I have to ask you, who, who's your, have you got like a favourite German team, like a team that even though you're trying to write impartially that you kind of secretly support or that you, that you admire a bit more than others? I don't know. I, I don't know. I've been watching the Bundesliga for about two years. I still don't know what my German team is. Uh, there's often a, there's an assumption that it's RB Leipzig because I cover them the most, but I actually don't really like Leipzig. Yeah. It's it's quite the opposite. I just cover them for this uh, as yeah, a journalist, yeah. not as a fan. If there was a, a German team that I follow, that that pro- probably would be Borussia Dortmund because they yeah, have yeah. the sort of thing that I like. But I, I wouldn't say I'm an actual supporter per se. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. one day I'll have a better answer to this question. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like that because yeah, I think. Um... Dortmund, Dortmund are my favourite team, but for for different reasons. My my kind of first memory of them is um, the uh, what would it be ninety six ninety seven team. So that was the the last year that my hero Eric Cantona um, played football, and uh, United were locked out uh, knocked out of Europe um, by by yeah. Dortmund. But that that I mean that team was excellent, and I remember I remember thinking how we got knocked out by this team. I think we lost both legs one 0 and I was thinking we we would have had a good go at Juventus and now they're going to go and just get um, turned over. And they, they produced one of the best performances in the final um, as an underdog I, I'd, I'd ever seen. I remember, I think it was um, Karhai's Riedler got two and Lars Rieken came off the bench yeah. and I think he scored. He loved the keeper with his first touch. I think my memory's a bit hazy, but um, yeah, that, that was, I think from there, that was one of the ones where I thought, I didn't like that this team knocked my team out. But I liked the way that they did it and how they sort of battled. And obviously, it was quite yeah. sad in the, the 2000s when I think after the days of Jan Koller, where they, they obviously had financial issues and, and, and obviously struggled. But it's good to see them bounce back. And even with the way that it happened, cause I understand that I think Bayern Munich had lent them some money to stop them from basically going out of business. And that that's just, it's a, such, a, such a nice story. I'm sure there are some not so nice things um, about, you know, most clubs and I'm sure things that, that they've done, but yeah, yeah Dortmund for me were always special. And I think that's similar to you. Like I've loved watching Spanish football, my, my Spanish teams, Valencia, just I've visited their stadium. I've done the tour. Like I know the history. They just, I just like things about clubs that are just are quite special. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. You mentioned Dortmund. So yeah, they have a, they have a, a place in my heart as well. Um, and they're, they're very fan-centered club, aren't they? So it just makes them more, yeah. more likable. So, I, 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 all the good players, Haaland and Sancho. So, 
all the, all the ones you want to get on the back of your shirt, definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, they, they are. And, um, you know, obviously, um, hopefully there'll be some silverware that follows more recently because they, they obviously had a good period with Klopp winning, winning the league a couple of times. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Bayern's dominance. Um, but I want to I want to I want to think about the um, the kind of British sort of ex- exports to um, to Germany, particularly some of the, the London lads, because, you know, like you said, you've been following the Bundesliga for quite a while. I'm sure that's not the only um, thing that you spotted, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the, some of the guys that have gone across um, to Germany, you know, how, you know, how you feel that they fared, why you think it, they might have fared as, as well. Um, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? Um. It's quite good for for English football and obviously for German football, but mainly mm. for England and the English national team. We've seen players like Jaden Sancho, who's been putting up numbers that you see from people like Lionel Messi. I mean, last season mm. was incredible for him. This season was a little bit of a slow start. He started getting it on for the last few few months. Um, but it's good for for English football, obviously, because Germany is a place where they allow players to grow. Uh, Jaden Sancho went when he was still a teenager. And now he's uh, He's he's grown up a bit older, and uh, it's not surprising that he's been linked with big money moves. Hundred million, we've seen the fees quoted in recent times. Hundred million, it's a fully deserving fee for a player like that. He's that good, mm. he's that talented, and Dortmund was the ideal club for him because they have a history of that. So it's perfect for them. The thing about German football is that they allow these players the time to grow, and they give mm. these coaches the freedom to make mistakes with these players, and. That sort of emotional awareness is there. That football is not just played on the pitch nowadays, is it? So it's, it's not just, you know, play 90 minutes on Saturday and then go live the rest of the week out and then yeah. come back and play again next Saturday. It's sort of what happens off the pitch as well. But we, we've seen mental health campaigns coming up and that's perfectly, that's, that's mm-hmm. what's, what's needed in football, more awareness around the situation. That's perfectly normal to have that. So German football sort of gives you that sort of freedom to grow, make mistakes, become better learn from those mistakes yeah. and, and be a competent uh, senior footballer. So it, it's worked out positively for them. I, I imagine that it will only increase in the future. Um, we've seen Sancho, obviously, Jude Bellingham's gone to Dortmund as well. Uh, Ryan Sassignon, players like that. We need, it, it's good for them that they're moving out and they become better players there before eventually one day maybe coming back and, and, and doing what they do in England. So, yeah, it's been very positive for them mostly. Obviously, we've seen, we've seen some bad examples lately. People like Adam Ola-Lukman, for example, where it hasn't worked out as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for the most part, it's been quite successful for them, yeah? Yeah, would, would you? I know you mentioned about like playing time is quite quite important and to get any, the, the space to um, to kind of make mistakes. Is there, is there anything else? Because I've noticed there's, um, I was talking with, with another guest that we had on about um, Smith Rowe, for example, who had, a, I think he had a bit of time in, in, in the German league as well. Is it, what else is it maybe that is attracting the kind of youngsters aside of, um, you know, playing time? What, what is it that, is it, I'm just wondering if there's anything else that's making a, a better player? Because it seems like you've got, particularly, I can only speak for the London ones, you've got that kind of raw talent, you know, those almost those kind of street footballers who, Obviously, very good on the ball, got a good eye. But there's something about then when they go to Germany, there's something else added to their game. And I, I don't know if it's like a particular coaching style, if it's the pace of the league, if it's like exposure to to more European football. Any any ideas about why, particularly the way that a lot of these players have exploded 
um, you know, and got and, and gotten better. I'm thinking Sancho, for example. I know Bellingham did most of his stuff at the Birmingham, but any yeah, any idea about what what it is that German football is also offering aside of playing time? I think playing time is still going to be the major driving factor. But you mentioned coaching. I imagine they would be impressed by the coaching project you you get there because uh, Jude Bellingham is the perfect example. We've heard that Jude Bellingham was offered or, or Manchester United offered to buy Jude Bellingham and they showed him around and Alex Ferguson came around and showed him the whole the club's facilities and all that and then he decided to go to Dortmund. So I imagine that German clubs offer that sort of career path or that growth path where mm-hmm. they give players the chance to become better and show them how they will become better. Um, German coaching is obviously still one of the best in the world or the best in the world because they produce so many top quality coaches at such a fast rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even now in the Champions League, we've seen half the coaches in the quarterfinals are mm. German based or German German coaches. Um, last the last two winners have been German, so it, it is that sort of coaching thing where they have this level of tactical intelligence as well as emotional awareness. Where, as I mentioned before, the players are given the freedom to grow and become better in a mm. more um, uh, I don't say not safe better environment i would say yeah, yeah, yeah. and the surroundings around them are quite quite good and they, they allow them to become better footballers so i think that is a major appealing factor as well you know because we've seen footballers in england phil foden for example he's an extremely talented footballer and pep Guardiola managed him really well until this season but imagine if three years ago he moved to say prison mm-hmm. by now he would have had 100 150 senior appearances like james yeah, Sancho. Yeah. so playing time is massive but also off the field the tactical intelligence where they sort of instill what's in instill good footballing habits inside them. That's also a major driving factor. So I imagine that's two major yeah. reasons to want to move to Germany. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. I wanna ask you this is kind of linked, but the, the dominance of um Bayern Munich, because I, I can't remember how many leagues they won in a row. Is it like eight now or something? Or yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that a good it's thing? the season, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, because it was Borussia Dortmund 2013, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, um, yeah. Last year. the season, yeah. Because yeah. obviously Dortmund is still, uh, Dortmund, German sides are still quite competitive in the Champions League to, to an extent. Like you've got, um, you know, Dortmund have, have done well. Much um, and Gladbach did well this season. Um, we've, we've had sort of others that have done, obviously Leip- Leipzig um, got the group stages as well. Um but Bayern's dominance, a team winning the league eight seasons in a row. You know, we're seeing Afrikanpo will go to, 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 to Bayern uh, at the end of the season. They picked up Lewandowski, Hummels. Um, is, is this a good thing? Is this, is this, does this make this work for, I don't know, the national team? Does this, is this better for, for, for the other German sides that they happen to be more competitive and more uh, innovative, you know, financially and, and Personnel-wise, or are we are we are they sleepwalking into a situation like Italy where it's taken a lot, you know Juventus were dominating and a lot of the teams are just playing catch up and just not really getting anywhere close to them in the league or in Europe? What's your thoughts on that? With Bayern, it's it's a bit of a two-way street. It is about buying Bayern being really good, um, really good in the sense that in the way they're managed, not by Hansi Flick, but by as a club where they're willing to make tough decisions and willing to make uh, big decisions for the sake of the club and the future of the club. You know, mm. Niko Kovac, when he was sacked, he was a former player, uh, had a good history with Bayern Munich, 
didn't really have too many problems with the upper hierarchy or the team, but they felt it was right to sack him because of the direction the club was going in, which was not a good mm-hmm. direction. Um, and at that point, when he was sacked, nobody would have expected that they win the treble in that very season, but they did. Um, and you know, they they were willing to make those tough decisions and those ruthless decisions that it sort of makes them a better club. So I think that even if they didn't buy players, even if they were banned from buying players, hypothetically banned from buying players within the Bundesliga, I still think they would be that good because of how they manage and the people they have in charge. So there's one case of them being incredibly good. But the other, the rest of the league, the other 17 teams, they have a good amount of succession planning where if they know that they will lose players. RB Leipzig, for example, knew that they would lose Open Khan of the season, no matter where he went, whether if he went to Manchester United or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, he went to Bayern eventually. But they knew he was going regardless of, of where it was. Mm. But so they made a decision to sort of plan for the future without him. They've already signed two centre-halves um, to replace him. And um, that's that's what happens at German clubs most of the time. At, at the good top level, well-run German clubs, um, they sort of plan for the future, knowing that the, the the current players won't stay around for long because other leagues are more appealing, and other uh, factors such as money or playing time or something like that is more appealing to to their players. So it, it's difficult for them to keep hold of their players and keep hold of their best players. You know, you could, Leipzig, for example, in the last few years they lost Timo Werner, Nabiketa, Luka Mekano will go this season. So it's it's difficult to win when your best players constantly leave you, and leave you for say an English club which has more money and more uh, more yeah, to offer. Yeah. So Bayern's dominance, while you could say in a way it's bad for the league, there isn't really a fair way to sort of streamline the competition in the league. You know the TV money is there's always discussion about the TV money, the TV uh, rights that come in, uh, but there isn't a fair way to say that. You know, we can't say they can't do, they can't just discard Bayern from TV money. It's not, it's not fair to Bayern, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there is no way of saying Bayern are banned from signing players from the Bundesliga. So it's difficult to find the, the perfect line in between where we can say, you know, this is a way to streamline the league. There are ways there are, there are ways being considered, such as breaking the fifty plus one rule or allowing more foreign investors to invest in their clubs. But that just breaks yeah. the tradition of German football. So it's difficult to find it. But I think that even if there was an unfair way to sort of silence Bayern. They would still still be this good because of the people that make decisions for the club. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I look at Bayern in envy, not not because they've won everything under the sun for the last like however many years, but yeah. just the way that they're run. Um, and and I think a, probably a lot of other fans up you know up and down the country and in other leagues will say, well, that's you know Man United getting their comeuppance. They would you know, put on a market as a PLC and you you run a risk of then getting owners like they've got now. But just the structure, I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even mind as a fan if the structure was good, if it felt like they knew what they were doing. But it's just this this idea that it, it feels that the Man United, for example, are happy to get top four, keep the sponsorship deals. You know, have a manager that's going to do that, get a bit close in, in the competitions, win the odd FA Cup or Europa League every couple of years. Whereas Bayern, like you said, there was an issue with Kovac, who was a player at the club. You know, they really wanted to, you could, I felt like they really wanted to give it a go, but it just wasn't working. They got rid yeah. of him. He's gone. They've done the trouble. They made, like you said, they made that tough decision. And I, I just, it, it's, 
you don't ever want a manager to get sacked, but you want a club to be run properly. And like you said, you yeah. know, even um, even with the, the players that have had a, an opportunity to come through at Bayern, and I look at some of my favourite players, you know, Philip Lahm, um, for example, and Akimic. I can't remember if he started at Bayern, but but definitely he's yeah. been able to develop. He's a um, guy, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, these these are and, and these aren't just these aren't just players that you know like Man City have bought and they were quite good anyway and perhaps made them better. These, these are players that were good and have been, you know, like world-class in their position. Like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. always, always, always think of buying it always interesting to watch and you kind of want them to do well, but then you think it's almost like the big bully taking all the, you know, the, the sweets <laughs> yeah, off the other, the other clubs as well. Yeah. Um, they're great to watch it. I mean, you watch them for the last yeah. few weeks. They've been really good. Yeah, and you're impressed by what they're doing, but then you realize how how it is in the grander context. Just you can't do anything about it, can you? Yeah, that's that's the thing. One one player that they've got that always um, was was a, a player of debate for me. One of the other hosts is Lewandowski, and I think to start with, when I watched him, especially before Bayern won the Champions League, I always thought he was a player that in the big games. He might miss a couple of opportunities. Like he's not, he's not putting them away. But obviously, I've, I've been very, very wrong with that because uh, even at that time, but even the last couple of years, he's he's untouchable. I mean, how how good is Lewandowski? Because I don't watch him week in week out. How how good is he when you when you are watching him, watching highlights? What he, what he does? Very good would be the simple answer. Um, <laughs> um, but it's just with him, it's just doing the simple things perfectly, you know, and doing it doing it very consistently as well. Um, it's not normal for a Bundesliga player to score 30, 34 goals in a single season. Mm. You know, it's very rare, mm. and he's on course to break the record of, of forty goals for a single season. So yeah. I imagine he'll do that very soon. Um, but when you watch him, it's just he does the basic things very, very perfectly in a way mm. if that makes sense it's just the casual forward play making the right runs making the right movements the, the, the perfect finishes and all that getting into positions where you know you can just have it happen you know people say it happens are easy to score in but that sort of no. plan that comes before where you make the right runs beat the right defenders and, and find space for yourself he does yeah. it so well and for the last two years you are right when you say that he was a bit inconsistent or iffy in, in his in the big games previously before like two years ago, before that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we saw in games against Real Madrid in the Champions League between 2017 and 2018, where he was mm-hmm. a bit anonymous, anonymous in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But he's really improved his game in the last two years. He has the record to back it up, about 260 odd goals for Bayern Munich, okay. totals, mm-hmm. and it's a perfectly deserved. Whatever he's getting now, it's perfectly deserved for lots of years of hard work. And when when you think of, it, I said a couple of weeks ago as well, he is the greatest free transfer of all time. Oh. When you consider that he's bought what five, six league titles, so many cups, one Champions League, should have won the Ballon d'Or last year, but he didn't. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest free transfer of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's a few Arsenal fans that will argue that Sol Campbell might be up there, but I think yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> yeah. in that. It's got to be Lewandowski. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, it was it was just he's he's an he's an animal, and um, he's one of those guys. I think he, he's. It obviously feels like he's um at his peak he has been for a while but he's just stepped up to another level and just yep. just untouched and i think that that's you know Bayern have a really good team for me but i think when you have a striker like that 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 is just what makes you relentless like he's just i think um 
I'm trying to think there's, there's been a few games this season anyway, but obviously in his career where he's come on by an Adunal, right? It's maybe 1-0, 2-1. They'll go and bang in four. Like, yeah, 5-1, have some of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I just, I mean, it's just, it's that hunger. And again, it's when I watch particular sort of teams in England, Jose teams I'm thinking of where it's 1-0 and it's like, all right, let's sit on that lead. But Lewandowski anyway, yeah. it might be a buying philosophy, but Lewandowski's yeah. like, no, I've got, I've got records to break. You know, I'm going to finish 1-0. Imagine you imagine you said Manchester United a couple of years a couple of months ago. Imagine in 2013 if they actually ended up signing Lewandowski instead oh. of Van Persie in 2012. Sorry, oh. when they signed Lewandowski instead of Van Persie, that I know they won the league in 2013 with Van Persie scoring about 30 odd goals. But imagine the long run if they had Lewandowski, they wouldn't have had a striker problem for a couple of years. So there's a bit of a missed opportunity there. You're breaking my heart right now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna move off. I'm gonna move off United, and um, I want to think about um. I want to think about the national team, but before I want to just um, ask you a little bit about Schalke because I think it's it's a thing for anyone, even if you're not really following the German league. The Schalke story is one um, that's crazy, and I think given where they were not long ago, I mean we're talking literally actually ten years ago to to, to almost the day they were in the Champions League semi final. Um, also, the likes of, of Neuer, they've had they've had some 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 really class players over the years, but. <sighs> It just seems like they're in a mess at the moment. I think, um, might correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they were about to be relegated. I think their next game, if they lose it, they're down. Yeah. Or I'm not sure if they're down or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. How has this happened? Um, it is the combination of a lot of things going wrong at the same time. Um, mm. We've seen in recent years, they've had great players, Neuer, Goretzka, mm. Draxler. And a part of that is that they've sold a lot of them for either a very low fee or mm. they've sold them for free. Goretzka went to Bayern Munich for free and he is a solid player who gets top, top, 30, yeah. 40 million-ish. Um, and right now they have about 200 million euros in debt. Um, mm-hmm. The people running the club haven't been very consistent with it. They've had a few controversial flickers in Clement Tonys. Uh, and we sort of, it, it, it was sort of expected for that they'll have this sort of decline, but the manner of it was not expected at all. Because in at the start of 2020, they were in the top four of the German Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, they've won one league game. Now, imagine in about 15 months, your team wins one league it's game. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. Insane. I mean, they won their first league game. Uh, yeah, they, they went... Oh, sorry, sorry. They won, since 2020, they won two league games, sorry. Um, but even then, <laughs> imagine 15 months, you go through so much. The world's changed so much in the last... 15 months with the pandemic and all that. Mm-hmm. And in that period, Schalke only went two league games. It's pretty unreal. And um, But from, from a club perspective, it's, it's gone horribly wrong in terms of management. People at the club don't really seem to sort of, sort of care. They've given up. And it's a bit mm-hmm. of a worry that they will become the new Kaiserslautern or the new Hamburg where they go down to the yeah. second division and don't come back up for a very long time. So that is a bit of a problem in that regard. Um from a German perspective, it's quite sad to see because Schalke are one of Germany's most historic clubs. You know, you mentioned the Champions League semi-final mm-hmm. 10 years ago. They won the DFB Pokal 10 years ago. And um, they're one of the few clubs to have won uh, multiple league titles. So from a historical mm-hmm. perspective, it's sad to see this. But from a more objective perspective, it, it's sort of expected. And we, we kind of saw it coming, but we didn't see the manner of which it happened. So um, I hope they come back up very soon, though, because... Yeah. Firstly, the, the derby with Dortmund is one of the most fierce derbies in Germany. 
And uh, mm-hmm. second, as I mentioned, they're a historical club, so they have a rightful Bundesliga place, which they should or hopefully should reclaim very soon. Yeah, yeah. That, let's let's hope because um, I know you mentioned a few a few kind of fallen giants there with Kaiserslautern. and I, I feel like Miroslav Klose was was playing for them um, sort of yeah. historically, and they had a few. I remember them playing in might have been the what was the UEFA Cup against a few of the English sides um, sort of back yeah. in the day, and I know they've had a, yeah. a few and good players. They there won the Bundesliga too, so yeah, they won the league as well. So that's it's a pretty good record to have, and it's sad to see them go down this way. It's crazy. It reminds me a little bit of like a, a kind of Blackburn, but on a on a obviously the German uh, sort of uh, leagues are, are a lot smaller. There aren't as much teams. So um, yes, it's sad to it's it's obviously sad to see. I want to ask about um, I think it's Quebec, the the guy that's obviously joined um, Liverpool. I think this is more for Liverpool fans. I did um, I think it was the Tifo um, podcast did a little bit on him just before he joins, and I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces of him. It seemed like he's got a lot of good potential, a little bit rash. And I think Liverpool fans have seen that. We've picked up quite a few yellow cards and a few tackles that, that he's put in. But I don't know, is he, is he a player that you see Liverpool maybe thinking, actually, he's, he's someone that, you know, um, we, we can keep and, and, and bring in? Because I, I think it's a loan deal, as far as I'm aware. Um, it's yep. not, a, not a permanent deal. So is he, is he someone that, you've, that, you know, Liverpool might be looking at thinking, yeah, this could be a, a helpful sort of long-term competition for, for Gomez and, and obviously Van Dijk, who's not, not a spring chicken? Or are we thinking this is more of a stopgap and someone that was available because Schalke needed the money? What, what's your thoughts on Quebec? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't think that he's going to improve too much. Uh, you know, uh, maybe if Van Dijk comes in and he can perhaps improve, you know, when you play with good players, you automatically become better and mm-hmm. you want to reach that level. So it's hard to say at this point when Liverpool are struggling so much. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I, he's a good player. He was a good player in a very bad team at Schalke. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's an all right player at Liverpool. And he's done he's done fairly well. He hasn't made too many errors. He's been a bit rash, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And but But for that age and for... Uh, the price he came in and that sort of expectation it's perfectly expected it's perfectly normal as well Um, but I I don't know if I'm very doubtful if he can improve very much I think around this is his level you know he'd be a squad player's best I don't think he'd be a long term uh, Mm. solution for a club like Liverpool who want to compete for league titles and all that Mm. Um, but I do feel Liverpool will sign him permanently in the summer because it's it's a fairly low price for a decent player a good squad player's best and I imagine that He's had a good injury history as well, not, not getting injured very often. So, uh, with Joe Matip and Joe Gomez getting injured all the time, or quite often, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's a good option to have a trustworthy centre-back alongside Virgil van Dijk. So, I imagine they'll sign one more, perhaps more accomplished centre-half uh, in time. But I think Kabak will be done eventually. But yeah. I don't imagine he'll be a first-team consistent player. Yeah, and I guess it makes sense with the, the number of games that are, that are going to be played. You know, Van Dijk, it's always touch and go, I guess, with with ligament injury. I think it's his ligament that he did, but I think it's always touch and go coming back at that age as a defender. You might lose a yard of pace um, yeah. as well. Gomez yeah. has had a, a number of, of, of obviously injuries, um, like longer term injuries as well. So it's unlikely that those guys are going to be playing week in, week out if they, if you know, once they come back uh, as well. So. So yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's helpful insight. So obviously, you, you've been watching the league for the last sort of two years quite closely, anyway. So um, yeah, can I ask you about the, the German national team because that that's been something that that's 
must have been quite interesting because obviously Lowe's, I think, has announced that he's going to step down, I think, after this this next competition now. Yeah. They've been they've been an interesting side to to watch. I think in historically, again, they I think we, we've done an episode on Euro '96, which um if you're a German fan, fantastic. If you're an English fan, uh, probably one of the most painful sort of memories if if obviously you know you were um sort of watching it at, at the time. Um but they've they've hit they've hit quite a, a rough spell. I feel like the emergence of France and the re-emergence of, sort of teams like Netherlands and, and Italy might not have helped. But what 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 what's kind of gone wrong for Germany and what how can because they've obviously got lots of talented players still, um, some from the older batch, but also guys coming through. So what went wrong and, and how how do you think they can sort of tackle some of those issues going forward to get them back to the, the superpower that, that we know them as. Yeah, um, it's a very interesting topic as well. Um, I spoke about this on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and mm. it was very much the case of case of uh, Joachim Ler being quite arrogant with his selections and with his with his style of management, where he mm. didn't really sort of think about the long run. He just thought about winning on the night and it was a bit of an unhealthy mentality because the players of, of of the German national team often said that you know we'll struggle in friendlies we'll struggle in qualifiers but when the tournament comes in we'll be at our best and mm. they weren't at their best at the World mm. Cup we saw two years ago or three years ago sorry um, and then that sort of came back to bite them and it was a bit of arrogance shown in the selection as well you know even after that when he dropped uh, Muller, Hummels and, and Boateng um, he sort of wanted to build a new team but he didn't really have the long-term vision for it and even Hansi Flick left who was as we came to know a very important figure of that of that team so it was a lot of things going wrong and a lot of arrogance shown and even from the DFP's perspective where they didn't really plan for the long term you know they, they did a lot of good work between 2004 and 2014 until they won the World Cup you know 2004 mm-hmm. when they when they went out of the Euros, the group stages, they made a huge revolution in terms of their coaching and their approach yeah. to young players and their approach to academies. So it, it, it was it was very good work done in that one decade and they got the biggest reward for it in the World Cup in 2014. But they didn't really plan for life after that and they didn't really plan for life after Jürgen Ler. Because if they did, they probably would have said, it's time for Ler to go and mm-hmm. sort of take this team to a new direction. But you could say that after 2016, after the Euros, that was probably the best time to make a change and sort of take the team to a new direction. Maybe we wouldn't have seen the, the struggles of the World Cup, but they didn't really do that. So um, you mentioned that they have a good team, which is 100% correct. I think they have the best midfield in the world when you look at the options they have. Joshua Kimmich and yeah. Goretzka, Gundogan, Cruz. Even now coming up, Musiala is coming up from Bayern Munich mm-hmm. and Norenbrads. So there's a lot of good players now and for the future. Um, but the right direction has to come with this selection to the head coach and they have to sort of extinguish whatever um, whatever work Joachim Ler did and sort of look to a new direction altogether because Joachim Ler's legacy is sort of tainted in a way over the last one or two years because of his arrogance and failures yeah. in the U- and at the World Cup. So um, it's a big decision and a big summer coming. You know, If they win the Euros, maybe they'll get the invitation to sort of so- show that arrogance once again. But... Mm. Regardless of what happens, they need to make major changes. Yeah, I I, I agree because I think it, what, what year are we in now? I think Lowe has been in. He's he's been he's been uh, there since two thousand and six. I want to say because yep. it's King King's been for that yeah. World Cup. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's a long time in the modern day to to be 
I think just in one job, let alone one one football yeah. team. So, um, yeah, it, it it will be interesting to see how they how they approach the obviously the, the Euros this year. Um, I was disapp- I think for me the biggest disappointment was the the squad selection um, for the World Cup. I seem I know I think was it Sane that he left out. There was someone yeah. I was thinking yeah, and there's just a couple of selections. I was just thinking. This isn't 2014. Like you, you know, you needed to to just try and update it, and kind of reminds of what Spain did. You know, when they won the obviously back to back Euros and, and that period where they won the the World Cup, or was it the other way? No, it was back to back Euros, yeah. and they just updated the team. You know, you had the the Marcos Senna in, in 2008. There's a couple of other players. Obviously, I think Torres was was kind of out of form for, for one of the tournaments. You know, they brought in some other players. They played with the false like, like they they kept the same core, but they changed they changed them bits around just to freshen it up and, yeah. and change the style. Um, and it just felt like Germany. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in a, in a nutshell, in a nutshell. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, the Euros this year, I can imagine, will be, as long as we avoid any injuries, because obviously, you know, this time of year, just before the tournament, this is where you start to see players picking up those kind of six, seven-week injuries where we're going to miss the tournament. Usually a lot of cruciate ligaments at the end from from sort of wear and tear and tiredness. So, you know, fingers crossed that that isn't that isn't the case. Where, where would your money be on for the Euros? Who are you who who, who are you going to be watching quite closely? Who, who who's at the top of your list to, to kind of back? Uh, to to win the tournament, I can see France or England. I, I can't see anyone beyond them. Even Portugal, I have a good shout. Mm. Um, but those three, France, England, and Portugal, are are probably the best. You know, France and Portugal are in the same group, so they won't meet meet each other until uh, the final. Yeah, uh, unless one of them goes out. Uh, after group stages, so um, it, for me, it's got to be one of those. I think Portugal have a very good team, defending mm-hmm. champions. They'll feel that they have the confidence to go through, and you know they're not they no longer have that dependence on on one player. They have a good yeah. team all around. You know, Bruno Fernandes, yeah. Bernardo Silva, all those players are incredible footballers, and it's, it's a great generation. You know, uh, mm. maybe two years ago, if the Euros were two years ago, or maybe even last year, they would have had a problem in defense. You feel, you know, because they didn't really have a, a competent defense. Pepe That's was it. getting old. Jose Fonte yeah. was getting old. But now they have Ruben Diaz, who's coming up, who's probably one of the best defenders in the Premier League. So mm. they have a good, good couple of players in every position. And even if one player gets injured, they have a, a solid replacement. Yeah. Uh, France obviously don't have to say much about them. World champions, best team in the world, best players. They have <laughs> squad, best youth squad. <laughs> yeah, the best. Even if they. You can make a very good, competent team out of the players they leave out for the tournament. Yeah, a team that's good enough to at least reach the quarterfinals. Uh, England have been improving. I'm not entirely convinced Gareth Southgate can lead them to to win Same. the tournament because there are still deficiencies to his his style. And mm. we saw that the World Cup, they exposed to the World Cup against Croatia, so it's not really convincing. But I imagine, based on talent alone, they will go quite far. Mm. Um, a few wild cards, few good performers. I can see Italy doing quite well. They have a good mm. generation coming through. Uh, Austria, I'm going to keep an eye on. I don't think they can go very far, but if they manage at least the round of 16, it, it's a good result for them. And yeah, they sort of yeah. need that result. And I, I was quite disappointed when Norway didn't qualify because I wanted Erling Haaland to play at the tournament, but yeah. such is life. I know yeah, it's a strange, and because um, I think Odegaard, of course, as well. And they've yeah, got, they've but, got, they've got a lot of. I, I, I suspect. 
They remind me of Belgium when, um, you know, obviously after they had the, um, the Euro 2000 and they had that whole blueprint where they just completely revamped the whole system. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was one of the, obviously the players at the time that, that became the coach and um, before, before Martinez and they revamped it. And they, they've been one of those teams. They remind me of the, the, the Portugal of the Rui Costas and Figos where they should have won a competition by now. Um, but they just haven't. And I feel like, um, was he talk, 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 talking about the sort of those teams? And I feel, I feel like, I feel like this is this could be a time where hopefully maybe Belgium uh, might do something. Do, do you follow there? The Kaku's had an amazing season. De Bruyne is De Bruyne. They've got. I know they've not got company, but they've still got some really exciting players. I'm not convinced by them entirely now. Um, oh. You know, I think the World Cup in 2018 was their best chance of winning a trophy with this tournament. I said it a couple of weeks ago to a friend and he called me crazy for it. But for me, they were probably the second best team at the tournament in the World Cup, yeah, apart from France. They were good in all all rounds, the group stages and the, the round of 16. The quarterfinal against Brazil was, it, it's one of my it's favorite games of football ever because of mm-hmm. how Martinez set the team up. And he won the game in in a beautiful way, really. Um, and it was quite unfortunate that they had to play France, the best team in the tournament, in the semi-final because if those two met in the final, it would have been a really fun final, a really engaging final as well. Mm. Um, but I feel that was their best chance of winning the World Cup. Obviously, Eden Hazard was at his peak in that in that tournament. Mm. Uh, Lukaku's gotten better since, but you know I think they're going to miss Hazard in at the Euros. He's not. I don't think he's, he's not, fit, but we, we can't he's not say Chelsea has it, is he? Yeah. yeah, he's been injured for most of his Real Madrid time, so we can't say if he'd be fully fit for it, even if he'll play for the tournament. Uh, defensively, they've lost company, uh, Alderweireld, Watong, and they've all sort of declined in a way. Aging. Yeah. Um, and apart from De Bruyne, I can't really, I'm not really convinced by much of their midfield. We have a few good players in Axel Witzel and, and a few others, but it's not entirely convincing as it was in the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see. And they well, will. Even, even, um, even like Tillman's, perhaps? Yeah, Tillman's as well. Yeah, Tillman's as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, you, there's a few good players in there, but it's not as good as it was two years ago. Or maybe, in, maybe even the Euros five years ago was quite a good chance as well. But I, I don't think it's going to be good for them. They'll have a decent yeah. tournament, but maybe they won't win it. Yeah, no, because so obviously the point I was coming from was I feel like Norway or maybe in that Belgium um, sort of sort of uh, period at the moment where Belgium yeah. were obviously getting better. But coming back to Belgium, I, I do wonder, I, I've never been convinced by Martinez, but I wonder if Belgium actually just kind of sit back and try and play more direct and hit teams on the counter. I wonder if they have a better, you know, Alderweireld, like you said, the Tonga and a lot of the defenders, not, maybe they'll get caught if they push up too high. If they sit back and try and counter, you know, with Lukaku up there, De Bruyne's range of passing, set pieces, I wonder if maybe maybe I should um, sort of dust off my football manager resume and um, put put my put my name in a hat to go and help out the team. But I, you know you do you do wonder um, what, what might happen. But no, I think I think the the, the teams you've mentioned, I'm never convinced about England just because of Gareth Southgate, like you mentioned. But like yeah. you said, on ability alone and the way that the players, I'm not a massive fan of Maguire, but Stones has, has played well. Michael Keane's played well. If he picks the right keeper, fullbacks. I mean, you know. It's it's talented in every position, yeah. And they've got one or two good players in every position almost. So it's it's a very good team, yeah. And, and I think if they get to the quarterfinal stage and they have a decent enough draw around them, the final should be in in, in their sights because be a, yeah. the talent is there. 
No, I um, I I, to- I totally agree. I think a great a great um tournament to be looking forward to, especially given the circumstances. It was delayed, but um, yeah, let's keep yeah. fingers crossed. No, no big players missed that. Who knows? Hazard yeah. might turn up, and uh, he reminds me a bit of um. Remember with Iniesta, I always felt that he's as as amazing a player he was. He missed such big chunks of the season that he always felt fresh coming into these international tournaments. And I wonder if yeah. maybe that might be the case for Hazard. I know, obviously. They're not comparable as players, but you do wonder when a player's yeah. out for the season I, I quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he does. He was a really enjoyable player to watch, and it's a shame to see him sort of struggling so much. I hope he does yeah. get back fit. If he, if he doesn't, he wins the tournament with Belgium. It'd be an incredible story for him. No, I, I, um, no, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit about you in a moment and, and your podcast, because um, we're going to um, start wrapping up shortly. But... In terms of, because um, obviously I've seen that you watch loads of leagues. Like you, you remind me of, of um, yeah, like when I was either studying or I think actually generally at uni when, um, when I, I wasn't having to, to sort of get up too, too early or had a bit more time to, to watch football and just watching all the leagues under the sun and, and everything. And I quite, I think that's why I enjoy reading your articles because I can live vicariously through you. But I'm wondering um, about, sort of top players so we're thinking for all of the football manager fanatics like me out there who um, are looking for like a cheeky little buy um, you know like a Fafana like for Leicester type kind of player that's quite unknown who would you say are like some of the sort of yeah. young up-and-coming talents that maybe people might not know too much about from the sort of non-English leagues could be from the Bundesliga but just in general who are some of these sort of younger talents that you've been impressed by that might be sort of setting a world alight in the next couple of years um, based on what I've I've seen, I've read. Um, Brian Gill's been quite good for Ibar in Spain. Uh, he's mm. still a teenager. I think he's still about eighteen years old. He's been quite good. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of, of Red Bull Salzburg, obviously for the book and all that. Now it's taken mm. on to my real life. But uh, there's a few good Salzburg players in Enokomwepu, uh, Karim Adeyemi. I think they both could write. They both very good football manager as well. Mm. Um, I don't play much football manager, so I wouldn't know. But I imagine they're very good. Um, <laughs> Karim Adeyemi is quite good. Uh, Panson Dakab, you've heard his name all over, but I don't want to mention him yet. But um, uh, those two, um, Enokumwepu is quite good. Seko Koita is quite good. So there's a lot mm. of good Salzburg players. Um, I've heard a lot about Brian Gill, as I mentioned previously. Um, from the Bund- German Bundesliga, oof, it's quite a few. Uh, Florian Vass has done quite well yeah. by Leverkusen. Uh, Leverkusen have a very good young team. Mm. Um, we've seen Leon Bailey yeah, and all yeah. that in the last few years. Edmund Tapsoba is coming up. Uh, even Jordan Turner-Riga for at the Berlin. So there's, there's always a few good players in the Bundesliga. Yeah. I think those few names that I've mentioned have been striking out you know, off the top of my head. So I think those few players are yeah, quite good. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's um, always always love a young talent, particularly um, you know if they end up at like a Dortmund or a Leicester or um, I was going to say an Everton, but they don't tend to buy that kind of player anymore. But certainly you like you like to see that, and it's always a shame when you know you see the, the big teams kind of stockpile players, and uh, you know they, they barely play or they go on like eight million loans, um, you know, over over a couple of years, yeah. um, not naming any any clubs, <coughs> Chelsea, um, but but yeah, so um, so yeah. I wanted to ask a little bit about you and, and obviously the, the, the Team Guys podcast, but just firstly, like why why is football so special to you? Why why football and not um American football or basketball or maybe you do like those things, but why 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 is football such a, a big thing for you? Where where's that come from? Um I don't I don't know, it's hard to say actually. I mean like 
I grew up watching the I grew up watching football. Um, I had I still do have an older brother, um, mm. and he was a, the reason I started watching football because he was watching the World Cup in two thousand and six. Mm. Uh, that I can remember as my first football memory. Um, yeah. He doesn't watch as much football as me. He, he barely watches football anymore at all. Mm. Um, but it, it stuck with me because I, I enjoyed the game so much. And there was a time until very recently that I wanted to 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 sort of play football as a career. Mm. Um, and you know, when you become when you're a bad foot, I was I was an average footballer at best when I was a kid. Um, but that sort of thing carries on when you're when you're an average footballer, you become a journalist, and that's that's how it came to me. Um, but 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 yeah, that that is the reason I sort of enjoy football. I've been watching it for about fifteen odd years now, as a, since I was a kid. Um, I've been watching consistently for the last ten years. Um, but that is how it is. I, I grew up in a family that I'm an Indian, so my family enjoyed cricket, and, mm. and that's sort of the main sport in India. But I was a bit of an outlier, and I enjoyed football. And I think those are. The main reason the World Cup of 2006 yeah. was the first game I ever watched. Uh, I, I do support Manchester United, um, even though I don't really like the structure of the club anymore. <laughs> um, I, I don't even really like the I, I don't even like the Premier League anymore. So uh, yeah, 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 but but they've sort of sort of sapped my interest out of it. But I, I do yeah. still watch them every week. And yeah. Um, but yeah, that is how it is. I, I I can't really give you a firm reason as to why I watch it, but those are some of the reasons. Yeah, no, no. That's. I mean, it's it's always interesting for for me. I think I touched on it before, but the the, the reason I like football is Eric Cantona. He was for me yeah. the 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 reason why I, I watched once and then didn't didn't stop. Um, you know, I think I, I watched it kind of before with a little bit of interest, but I think once I watched him play, I think that was that was me forever. Yeah. Um, but that brings me on to yeah, another I, question. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Eric Cantona. I can't really give you a, fa- a favorite United player as well. I mean, it would probably mark Rashford now because he's a great guy on and off the field. But I- I've enjoyed lots of good players who've not played for United. I mentioned Barcelona earlier, and yeah, that that Barcelona team is still my favorite team for all time. Even yeah. though you know they beat United a couple of times in the Champions League final, yeah. it was just a joy to watch every week. Turn it up, and Lionel Messi is doing some absolute madness, and, and it's beyond our imagination. But yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. Those were a few of the reasons I enjoy watching football. So, no, no, I can, I can. Would you say would, would Messi be like one of your favorite players of all time, or are there are there other sort of challenges to the throne? Oh yeah, no, he is one of the favorite. I think Marcus Rashford is probably my favorite ever, but Messi's right up there. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he just comes on every week. Even now, you can say it's his worst season, but it's not actually his worst yeah. season. Is it? He's quite good still. Stop he's still improving yeah, at thirty-four, yeah. so he's, he's a joy to watch, and he's one of the reasons I started enjoying football so much. Yeah, and no, I, I can, I can, I can. It's always great when you have a when you have a player like that, and um, yeah, obviously, of course, you know, a player like Messi, who, who's who's sort of top um, level players, you yeah. know, uh, list wouldn't you be on? Um, just just before we end, you right to tell us a little bit about your um your podcast, where we can find you, what what kind of things you tend to sort of discuss on there? Yeah, uh, my podcast is called Team Guys. It's fairly new. It started off um, about a month ago. Um, the name of the podcast is called Team Geist because of the World Cup ball in 2006, which was also called Team Geist. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I mentioned earlier that World Cup sticks in my head quite often. It's one of my favorite World Cups, even though I don't remember much of it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's where it's come from. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on most podcast platforms. Um, but from me, for, from my personal side, I'm on Twitter quite often. You can find me there talking nonsense about the German Bundesliga and a few other stuff. Um, you can find me at Karan underscore page one twenty six, and uh, yeah, that that is where I'm mostly at. Yeah, well, 
Karen, thank you so much for for coming on. Like it's been um, even just picking your brain for an hour as it's been it's been great for me. Like I said, because just from reading like the sort of articles, um, like I said, I'm going to be getting the book um, in terms of. Uh, Salzburg, not Leipzig, and um, and obviously, um, yeah, just that hearing your, your sort of take on, on, the, on the Bundesliga, you know, why a lot of the English players go off and and, and do well. Um, just it's been obviously great to to, to catch up with you, and um, yeah, thanks again for, for for coming on, and obviously for the listeners, you know, we we, we hope that you, that you've enjoyed that, and please, please, please go and listen to um, to, to Team Guys um, as well. Because um, I can only imagine you're not going to be disappointed um, with what you hear on there. Yep, no worries. Thanks for having me on.